So today I was listening to a podcast while I was doing the dishes. Weird. This American Life. Oh, nice. And it was on coincidences. I'm a storyteller. I like to tell stories. I always miss the opportunity to try to be on that show telling my story, right? And I thought, well, I have the best coincidence story. I can tell my story on my own damn podcast. Thank you very much. You can do whatever you want. So today's episode is going to be on coincidences, and I have a pretty good one. All right. When I go to college to Cal Poly, I randomly emailed this guy who I was on a list with that was going to work at a camp that summer. Right. He emails me back and says, yeah, come on down to Cal Poly. I'll, I'll introduce you to some friends because I wanted to go to school there the next year. But I didn't know anybody who lived there, right? So Scott takes me to this party. It's like a barbecue. And I walk into this barbecue. I don't know anybody there. I don't even know Scott very well. He's just taking me to this barbecue for Campus Crusade. I walk up to this guy named Eric Jones. He doesn't have a T-shirt on. He's cooking bacon in this pan for the hamburgers. And he goes, hey, bro, what's your story? And I go, I don't know. I'm trying to get into this college. I'm trying to find some roommates. And this is like in June when everybody already had their roommates for the following year. Right. He goes, oh, yeah, well, I'll keep my ear out, man. I walk out the door. Two seconds later, the phone rings. Eric Jones picks up the phone, and he goes, hold on. My buddy's looking for a roommate. <laughs> Hands me the phone through the door, and it's this guy, Greg Epstein, on the other line of the phone going, you need a roommate? I said, are you kidding me? I just told Eric that I needed a roommate. He said, well, my roommate just bailed on me, and I need one right now. And I'm sitting there going, I can't believe this all happened. I walk to a party, talk to a guy, he hands me a phone, and then <laughs> here's the craziest part. This guy, Greg Epstein, right? I work at that camp that summer. Right. I work with a guy named Ben Campapiano. And then I go back to Cal Poly. I live this entire year with Greg. Everything's said and done. Two years later, Ben Campapiano calls me and he goes, Hey, I'm driving down to Slow. I want to hang out with you and this guy, Greg. And I go, Greg who? And he goes, Greg Epstein. I said, I lived with Greg last year. He was my roommate. And he goes, What? I lived with Greg freshman year in the dorms. He was my only roommate. I said, Are you kidding me? So me and my buddy both lived with this guy, Greg, and didn't know for two years. That's insane. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Well, dude, I think I might have an equally insane coincidence story. Tell me. Um, we live downtown in Seattle and in kind of this neighborhood in Lower Queen Anne. It's the foot of this hill. And there was a neighborhood bar. A uh, little like dive bar called Streamline Tavern, where I used to frequent, you know, with my friends. And then sometimes just on weeknights, I would go and just sit there and talk to the locals and like have a Rainier Tallboy or whatever. So I met yeah. this guy who seemed to be the most interesting guy in the bar. And he, he, he was in a doctorate program at the college and he was teaching and he spoke five languages. And so I, I wanted to talk to him. He was into Russian philosophy, and he could like... Sounds like an interesting guy. Yeah, he was from South Africa, and he said, I'm from South Africa. And he was also, he was gay, but he was a Republican and a Catholic. <laughs> so he was like just the most interesting guy, uh, this, yeah. this big dude. And he introduced himself as Will to me. So I would... I would I would have all these debates with him about everything because he was super intelligent and I just loved to spar with people like that. Oh yeah. And he oh, so so one of the things was he said he lived in Beijing for a while. 
And I said, oh, that's funny. You know, my sister lives in Beijing, but I never mentioned anything about that. So then my sister, she mentions, I'm going to move to Hong Kong to get my doctorate from this university. And I was like, well, don't go to Hong Kong. Like, come back home. She'd been overseas for a long time. I was like, come to UW. Come get your doctorate here or whatever. I got a friend who who works. He's in the program. He could probably get you a job. And she's like, well, who is he? I'm like, well, he's this guy. And I just basically explain Will. And she goes, yeah, you said he was he 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 lived in Beijing for a while. And I said, yeah, she goes, that's big gay Brad. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you what do you mean? She's like, I know him. His name's Brad. His name's not Will. And he uh, <laughs> and he used to come to trivia night and just slay with all the expats in Beijing. No. She's like, he came over to my house for a pizza. No, seriously, I know him. I was like, what? So I had been hanging out with this dude. That's awesome. In a bar in Lower Queen Anne for like months. And he knew my sister and her husband like personally and would go to trivia nights with all the expats in Beijing, China with them wow. all the time. Yeah. And... And I, when I confronted him, and I was like, dude, she said your your name's Brad. And he's like, well, yeah, but like, I, you know, he was kind of sheepish. And he was like, I know your sister. <laughs> and it was this super weird moment. Uh, but I was like, <laughs> dude, halfway across the earth, I'm like, I'm hanging out with this dude. And he's like been to my sister's apartment in Beijing and like knows her personally. It was such a weird coincidence, but yeah, that's my story of coincidence. When, when you say coincidence, that pops into my head and I'm like, if you think wow, about that's, you know, the mathematical equation of your sister and that she lives across the world in this huge country right. and meets this guy. And then you happen to meet the, yeah. In a bar, the same guy in a bar. It's just like, oh yeah, so the weird, it's just so weird. Well, she she explained but everyone it to me has that, these stories. Yeah, you know? she explained it to me that the expat community in 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 China is very uh small. small. So, okay. um but at the same time it's just like it's China, you know? Like <laughs> So, it is literally like if you dr- if you could dig a hole yeah. there. It's the other side of the world. But anyway, so that's but my But my thing is is like I tend to believe and think and we can debate this on the podcast. I think there's something else going on there. We can talk about it. All right. But first, yes. <laughs> We're going to talk about coincidence, but first, Let's read some troll mail. Yeah, we got an email from uh, Robert, and he says, Your recent episode about fatherhood was something I needed to hear. Thank you for the reminder that I'm not going to get it right all the time, and that true fatherhood is about figuring out what's best for your child and helping them to think about the world as best as they can, so that they can become independent and productive citizens. Thanks for your continued advice on life, even though we don't know each other, though, Matt, I met you a few times. I appreciate the connection I have to two guys I respect enough to keep listening to every week. Robert. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, that's great. We don't know what we're talking about, but somehow it translates into uh, some good, helpful life tips. If anything, it's 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 commiseration with our uh, fathers and potential fathers on that episode. Uh, we got any patrons this week? No patrons. None. Oh, None. Man. But next week, we're going to double it up. There's going to be twice as many patrons. Ten more patrons uh, pledging $50 a month. That's what we're hoping for by next week. Go to patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. There's some troll talk on there, which is our own exclusive show for patrons. And 
see what you get. See that good feeling that you get from supporting a show that you enjoy. Yeah. I love stories where everyone just at the end goes, no, no, like jumps out of their chair. <laughs> like, you can't believe it. Yeah. Like, that's not possible. Yeah. Um, and that there's so many from being on tour. Like, you know, you hang out with a bunch of dudes and you get backstage and a couple beers and people just tell these stories and you're like, that's insane. Can't believe it. But I, I have a really good one with Dan and Jared Leto. I feel like we should just call cold call Dan and talk talk to him about his Jared Leto story. <laughs> it's like my favorite story to tell. I can't believe. Is this the one where you guys were beefing with Thirty Seconds to Mars? Yeah. So <laughs> I'll tell it real quick. So we okay. so we get in, we play this festival with Thirty Seconds to Mars and Dan Coke, who's been on a couple episodes of ours, and he's been on the Bad Christian Podcast and all kinds of episodes, and he hosts Depolarize. If you listen to that show. And he's in the crowd, and there's probably 800 to 1,000 people at this this weird festival in Bakersfield. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was just a crappy festival. Right. Jared Little breaks a string, and he goes, I'm going to play that song again because I broke a string in the middle of it. And Dan, being a band guy, goes, that's against the rules. You don't play the same song twice. Jared Leto sees Dan throw up his hands in anguish with his WTF <laughs> face and goes... And goes into the microphone, hey, you, Beardo, go back to England. <laughs> and Dan's like, what? And next thing you know, the whole crowd turns. And I'm like getting our merchandise set up and stuff. And I hear this kind of going on. And I'm like, no, he's not talking about Dan. He's not talking about Dan. There's no way Dan offended Jared Leto from the crowd. Wow. So Jared plays another song. Song ends. And he keeps railing on Dan. He goes, hey, Beardo, get up here. Show me what you got. And starts heckling Dan. Dan starts getting nervous. Another song ends, and he keeps yelling. He goes, I want to see what your band can do, not realizing we're on next, <laughs> on the side stage. <laughs> he just thinks he's, a, he's some fan. Yeah, he just thinks he's some fan. But Dan's like, uh, I'm on next, crap. So we're playing our set, and Jared Leto has this like merch flag with 30 Seconds to Mars on it. And he's walking through the crowd, and he comes to our stage, and... He's got like 50 fans behind him and security starts to walk around. And it's like, uh-oh, are we going we gonna to have a fight now? <laughs> fight club. I'd love to beat Jer- Jared Leto up and then just be like, I just wanted to destroy something beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be funny? <laughs> just like punch him in the face. So we think, we think, okay, whatever. So Jared goes back to his merch table and we talk about it for the rest of the night. It was the, it was the hot story of the night. You know, we got over it a couple days. Well... That summer, we ended up on Warp Tour, and Under Oath, or dropped off the tour, and guess who replaced them? Right, I remember that. 30 Seconds to Mars. So Dan comes into the RV, and he's like sweating bullets. He's like, damn it. I said, what? He goes, Under Oath's off the tour. I said, who's, well, so what's up? And he goes, 30 Seconds to Mars is replacing him. (laughs) I'm going to see Jared. He's going to remember me. (laughs) So you're a little four foot eight bully, Jared Leto. (laughs) I know, Dan's like actually kind of a tall, sort of big guy. Yeah. And, uh, so he's like, saw Jared. He, he saw me in, the, in, in catering, and he just looked at me real quick and just flipped me off. 
and then kept going. And he's like, I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. He's like, he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He just flipped me off. I don't know if it's a joke to him or what. So here's where the story gets crazier. This is the best part. (laughs) Flash forward. Warp tour is over. We have a couple weeks off before we do a fall tour. Dan goes to New York City for some reason. He's there. He's having dinner with this girl. His back is to the window of the front of the restaurant. She's talking to him. They're having dinner or whatever. Next thing you know, she looks at him and she goes, hey, turn around. Someone's knocking on the window. Dan turns around in this restaurant and it's Jared fucking Leto <laughs> tapping on the window did in he flip New York him? City. Did he flip him off? And no, he was just like threw his hands up like, what's up, man? And Dan goes, what? So Dan goes outside and talks to Jared Leto for like 10 minutes. They were in town filming a music video. And, no way. And Jared, Jared was just like, whatever, and didn't even care. It was like funny to him at that point and then oh just took gosh. off. So Dan tells this story to us when we're on tour in the fall. And we're just like rolling on the ground like, what are the odds that he could spot you? I'm like, Dan, you just have this aura about you of just you can just annoy people well dan tro- yeah out. dan trolled him and he remembered he <laughs> like he he would never forget that troll in that crowd oh. that one day that's so funny it's my favorite story to tell of sherwood on tour but um what do you believe matt I, I i don't know what i believe about them or what what sort of significance it is but i think this is a wikipedia <laughs> clip just describing what a coincidence is. A coincidence is a remarkable occur- concurrence of events or circumstances which have no apparent causal connection with each other. The perception of remarkable mar- remarkable coincidences may lead to supernatural, occult, or paranormal claims, which yeah. I think is what you kind of lean into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or it may lead to a belief in fatalism, which is a doctrine that events will happen in the exact manner of a predetermined plan. So it's all meant to happen this way. There's not much of a choice type of... That's a fatalistic... The Calvinistic approach. view of coincidences. <laughs> yes, it's all predestined. An example is the birthday problem, right? So, yeah, So uh, the probability of two people having the same birthday already exceeds 50% in a group of only 23 people. So, so if you're you in a group 23 of 23 people, people, there's a 50% ch- higher probability that someone has your same birthday. Yes. Okay. So you could be sitting in a room going, when's your birthday? And you're like thinking, man, that's crazy. You have the same yeah. birthday. But in reality... With twenty three people, you know, it's it's twice as likely, I guess. Yeah, to exactly. Have birthday twice as likely. Okay, so there's all these crazy coincidences over history, but right. I would like to talk to you about, like, spiritually speaking or uh, supernatural. Sure. Like, do you think there's some sort of weird uh, spiritual coincidence that you met this dude at this bar that also knew your sister? I don't know that I thought about like divine provision or that that happened to me for a reason or some significance i thought it was just random but I, there was a point in my life where i did look kind of hindsight at certain situations and go there seemed to be a plan in all of that there was a pattern in all of that and it did seem to be have more spiritual significance and now i don't know if i'm just more of a empiricist or a pragmatist but now i i i see scientific odds <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, but there's all these crazy stories, like, you know, how, like, the Lincoln-Kennedy connection, all the things that would happen between Lincoln and... I, and I read this one. This one was a good one. I right. thought this was pretty interesting. This is kind of like the Jared Leto story. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of like the Jared Leto story. The <laughs> French writer... Emile Deschamps. Em- Emile Deschamps. Sure. You're so, you're so French in the way you read things. 
claims in his memoirs, and this is a memoir, so uh, you know people can get a little foggy in their memoirs. Sure. But in 1805, he was treated to some plum pudding by a stranger named. Let me see if I can get this. Monsieur de Fongibu. 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 Yeah, sure. Fongibu. <laughs> he was some stranger gives him this plum pudding. Right. Ten years later, the writer encountered plum pudding on the menu of a Paris restaurant and wanted to order some. So he saw some some plum pudding on the on right. the you know on. But the waiter goes, uh, "Sorry, we just served the last dish already." To another customer, who turns out to be the same guy, Defont Gibou. The guy keeps taking the plum pudding. So it's like 10 years later, you run into this guy like, man, that's crazy. And then that yes. guy gets the plum pudding. He gets the last dish of plum pudding. But that's yeah. not the end of the story. So many years later, in, in 1832, Emil, at the diner, yeah. once again orders the plum pudding. He recalled earlier in the incident and told his friends about this whole story about how last time he ordered the plum pudding right. and everything that happened. But this time, Fontigibu fun, fun yeah. was missing to make the, the setting complete. But in that same instance, he walked in the room. He now entered the room, and he was like, he was now senile. He was like, very old. But like in the instance, so in the instance that he told his friends, "Oh man, wouldn't it be funny if I had uh, plum pudding and font- de Fontcabu was here," and the guy walks in. Yeah. So yeah, coincidence. <laughs> Carl Jung said that when coincidences pile up in this way, one cannot help from being impressed by them. For the greater the number of terms in in such a series, or the more unusual its character, the more improbable it becomes. Right. If it, the more the more times it keeps happening, where 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 Dan bumps into Jared Leto, the weirder yeah. the weirder it gets. Like each time, it's weirder. Yeah. It's weird enough that Jared Leto picked him out of a crowd, yes. and then came and trolled him at your thing. And and then and then trolls them at the at, at Warp Tour, yeah. And then knocks on the window at New York in New <laughs> like York. They're cool, city. Like they're buddies. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's yeah. The it, we and then if it happens like ten years later, like Dan Dan's like walking down the street and Jared Leto sees him, it's gonna be just even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So so psychologically speaking. It, you cannot like the human brain cannot help by by being impressed by them, and I think we have a tendency to put meaning on it. Like, what is the meaning of all this? You know, and that's kind of I yeah. think where you land, right? You're like, well, maybe there is something paranormal going on. I don't know. I, I I think there's something more to them. I don't feel like the whole Jared Leto story. I mean, the, the odds of that happening. Uh, this this guy's like a movie star, right? You know, he's like a very important kind of person. And the fact that you could run into him three different ways, and yeah, he's in a band, and right, I get it. But I don't know. So so Michael Shermer in two thousand eight coined the word patternicity, basically defining it as the tendency to find meaningful patterns in meaningless noise. Now I wouldn't necessarily say that meaningless noise would be out there in public walking around with people and then Jared Leto spots you. But there is another, <laughs> he likes the Isidy uh, terms. He, he coined in, in the Be- Believing Brain, a book he wrote in 2011, he wrote that humans have the tendency to infuse patterns with meaning, intention, and agency, which he called agenticity. So that's kind of, I think what you're doing is uh, you're infusing, you would, you would 
tend to want to infuse the patterns of these random occurrences with intention or meaning or agency. Um, and then he would call that agenticity. So that's like there is there is some purpose here that is being served. Yeah. I, I guess more spiritual uh, religious people would say that's a that's my deity, uh, or that's my uh, that's the divine presence. That's, that's I don't, I don't trying know. to say something. Um, maybe occult people would say that's my aunt so and so from the dead, or <laughs> you know, yeah, it could be it could be some sort of communication, and we should do an episode on ghosts and haunted places. I want to do one of those. Okay, let me tell you another story. See what you think about this. So my buddy comes home from Europe and he goes, dude, you were all over Europe with me on my trip. I go, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm on this train. I'm going across this place. This girl sitting next to me, her phone starts to ring and it's a Sherwood song. And I look at her and we don't. She doesn't speak the same language. She looks at me, and, I'm, and he, he's trying to explain to this girl, like, hey, "That's my buddy's band." Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, and I was like, "Oh, that, that's not that big of a deal." And he's like, "Well, then it gets crazier. We go into Italy, and we're staying at this place. And these two girls we meet at this restaurant are, are really fun and nice. And we talked, and then we started hanging out at their house. And they only have one CD on the table when we go back to their place, and it's your album. And I go." what and he's like yeah how crazy is that right so i told him again i'm like that's my buddy's band he's right like, it happened like and then he said it's he had some other story too about it but i'm sitting here going yeah that's so weird what are the odds of like we're not even a big band in sure in, in that part of the but world that and, was probably the summer of sherwood when sherwood was kind of like being discovered by people who were a little bit more sensitive to the indie music scene and yeah. and your friend knowing you would be, would have been extra sensitive to Sherwood related content being in the area. Sure, but I mean, like, uh, how many downloads of our albums on ringtones? No, I'm and, I'm saying you know. it's I'm saying it's random, but like, yeah. I don't know if that's enough to say there was some purpose that is something trying sure. to be communicated. You know, like it is crazy, but it doesn't feel that one doesn't feel like spiritually important or like <laughs> some sort of connection. It was just interesting. Nate, he was telling me. Do you me think I'm- you have a uh, um? Do you think you have an ability to spot patterns or to find some like deeper? synchronicity in 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 events or do you think that those things just happen and like what i'm saying is do you think that you have an ability to see kind of a pattern in something or 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 a deeper meaning in in a series of events i've been told by a lot of people randomly that i sort of have this prophetic way of thinking Okay. Like if I was born in the Bible, I would be one of the prophet kind of people. <laughs> like I, I envision like something happening, and then it kind of comes to sort of thing. Right. So I, I but definitely. Could you think... be mean and angry enough to yell at people? No, 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 no. <laughs> like I, I'll be your mouthpiece. Yeah, I would go to you, and I would say, <laughs> Matt, I had this vision. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying human. So human brains have this ability to see patterns, right? And some yeah. people they see some people see more patterns, and I would say some people see patterns that definitely don't exist, and that's sure. coincidence as Crazy it relates people. to fuel like, you know, very elaborate conspiracy theories. Like you know when I when I was you know reading up, you know, a decade ago when everybody was into the nine eleven truther thing, and I don't know if some people still believe that it was an inside job or for whatever reason, that's fine. But like people would be saying like, oh, Bush's second cousin served on a board of oil execs. Therefore, 
you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bush yeah. did 9-11, you know? And yeah, stuff like that. It's yeah. like super, like, random data. Or, like, you know, they focus on the micro, these micro things and, and, and claim it's it, it's an attribute of the whole pattern. Like, Yeah, if you read the Lincoln-Kent connections, a lot of them are like that. Like, they were both males. They both had secretaries. Right, named, once, yeah, you know, and it was like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Once you... Once you start believing it, then you will see every every detail as a synchronized coincidence. When it's not really, yeah. you know what I'm saying. But you have but to I, sort of put your faith in it first. But I think the thing that's funny is sort of with, like with my roommate story. It took me a couple of years to even find out that it happened. Right. You know, like what are the odds that you live with somebody for a whole year of your life, and then your buddy lives with the same person, and you don't know. That you both live with those guys, and, yeah. and the way you both, and the the way you both live with this guy, had nothing to do with somebody else hooking you up. It was totally random. Like when you get a freshman roommate, you just get paired up. And then I literally just had a phone come through a window, and I'm like, oh hey. So <laughs> if it was like a buddy of a buddy who said, hey man, are you friends with this guy? Oh cool man. Well I know this other dude. I, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been a coincidence to me. It would have been like, oh, yeah, well, people know each other, and you know that happens all the time. But the fact that we both randomly got assigned to this dude makes me go, what is this dude's significance in both of our lives? Does right. that mean something? What does Greg symbolize in both of our lives? That we both what does it all mean, man? I definitely go there. I think I used to go there more, and I think now I'm just more of a skeptic. Now I'm just more like, okay, I'm going to default on... It means nothing. You're just like it's just plum pudding. It's just. I mean, I, I, I still want a wow at the randomness. I want a wow at the at the what are the odds? But I'm not trying to do a, a, the agenticity where I think that 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 it has a meaning or intention or an agency. Uh, I, I don't. You know, when certain things happen, I go, wow, that was crazy. But I'm not. I'm not willing to attribute a personality or an intent or a will behind it. Where'd you go, psycho boy? I felt like destroying something beautiful. And it's funny because a lot of people throw out numbers. Numbers are a big deal to them, like coincidental right. numbers. Like, I was born on this day, and this person was... I, maybe I'm not a mathematical person, but numbers don't do it for me. Mm. I don't go... Because there's so many coincidences that have to do with numbers. I right. always go... And someone even wrote on her Facebook a number story. And I, I read those, and I go, eh, I don't know. Right, and how much is how much of a coincidence is just a subjective viewpoint of the world? Like, you know, when you buy a car, and then suddenly you see the car on the road everywhere? I mean, that's just a phenomenon that everybody knows. Like, you buy a Honda Civic, and then suddenly you see that same Honda Civic everywhere. It's like everyone suddenly has a Honda Civic. But no, it's just you. Now it's your personal subjective viewpoint being projected, and now you see it. It was always there, but just now you yeah. see it. And so yeah, that's, now you see it. Right. Here's, a, here's an interesting story. So when I was digging at the diamond, I remember when Jesse was talking about the diamond story. Right. I was digging with this crazy toothless guy that found this diamond. I ended up buying it from him because I saw when it was found. I'm like, that's cool, man. If I don't find a diamond, I want to buy that one off you. So I bought this little yellow diamond from this guy. How much was it? Uh, it was about like, he sold it to me for like 450 bucks. And how, and how big was it? It was like a little over a half carat. 
And it was just yellow, like bad color clarity. It was yellow diamond, but it looked kind of cool. And it was huh. very smooth and round. And in fact, I took it to a jeweler and the jeweler said, oh, this has been polished. I was like, no, no, no. I was there in the dirt hole that it was found in, sifting through right. like, layers and layers of layers of, of, of rock. And he's like, ah, whatever. I'm like, <laughs> get out of here. I know I know what I saw. The guy, the, the old guy just tossed that in there and knew he could sell it to you for a $200 uh No, nah, this is a young guy. That's, 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 that's what the guy said. And I was like, no, I was there. Because he found the diamond and he reported it. And then days later, I went back to him and I said, hey, remember that diamond you found? And he was... He was like, yeah, and he went through all. He showed me all the diamonds he had found, and they all looked similar. Oh. I was like, I was like, I was like, that one I was there for. I want to. Could I buy that one off you? And he was reluctant to. He's like, uh, I'm like, come on. He's like, okay. Huh. So he sold me that one. All right. But then I'm in New York City. It's like a month later on the tour. Someone forwards me this article. Dude finds 5.7 carat brown diamond what? in the diamond park. And it's the dude I was digging with. <laughs> of course. And I was like, I was like, no way. Like, that's the guy I was digging with, you know? Right. So, well, of course. I mean, that, and that's the thing, too, is like we talk about luck. We talk about coincidence. We talk about um, getting catching a lucky break or um, being in the right circumstance or whatever. And I think, you know, people say to us, Nate, you and I, you were just lucky. Uh, with your bands, you know, your bands kind of, you got signed and you got to tour yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and a lot of people don't get to that point and you were just lucky. And maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe coincidence played a role, but the fact is that we were out there on the field in the game when that fumble randomly bounced our way, just like toothless guy in the diamond mind. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a coincidence <laughs> that he's the guy. It's, it really is no coincidence because he's the guy out there every day looking for, the diamond. So of course he sure. finds the five point six uh, carat diamond in in the because he's there every day looking for it. So the point is, <clears throat> the the point I'm trying to make is you can't rely on luck. You can't rely on some pattern of events like a fatalist, like it's just going to happen. And you can't rely unless on... you drop your baby out the window and it lands yeah, on the I same wouldn't, guy twice. I wouldn't rely on that though. <laughs> I wouldn't keep tossing your baby out the window. But yeah, it's like so you can't rely on the stars aligning. You have to work. And yes, coincidence happens. And you can be the beneficiary of its good, seemingly good fortune, whether or not it's random. But nothing good happens on a whim. You have to work hard and like position yourself for those moments when it comes, you know, when things seem to go uncannily right. Yeah, I so, definitely believe that there is a element of it that is, if you're not doing something, something there's no cause and effect if you're not causing something to happen. Right. So if you're not in the game, you're not going to get. You're not going to catch that crazy touchdown pass with .001 seconds left on the end, and your finger is barely in the end zone. Right, it's like wins the homecoming game that had been lost 50 years in a row or whatever. Right, right. Like there's those stories, but the guy had to like try out and make the team, and there's all these things that had to happen first. And I guess for me, it's like maybe sometimes coincidences happen to shape you as a person or a character. Like this story, "Message in a Bottle," is a great one for this. Right. right? So this guy, Mark Anderson, found this bottle on this boat as a 92-year-old message in a bottle in 2006. Sure. Right? And he starts bragging to his buddy. Right. Um, the fishing boat was called the Copious, and uh, it was in the Shelton Islands north of Scotland. So he's bragging to his buddy, dude, I'm going to get Guinness Book of World Records, man. I got this 92-year-old message in a bottle. Right? Well, Andrew, the guy that he was bragging to, six years later... 
on the same boat discovered another bottle that was 98 years old, and he became the new <laughs> Guinness Book of World Records holder. That's the whole pride Pride comes before the fall, right? Is it exactly. coincidence? I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so you're saying the universe seems to work sometimes in some sort of moral way. Like, you know, these ancient truths, these these ancient truths that are embodied in many of the religions that pride comes before the fall or that even in like, you know, I've read, I read, um, how, uh, how, how the giants fall or how the mighty fall or something. It's a book about business and how you, they can trace back looking at data in hindsight, what point at which point each business fell apart and went bankrupt and basically went out of business yeah. was the point at which they had the most hubris, which is another word for pride. So like, like kind of like we're too big to fail. We'll always be here. We're not. Go- we're just gonna stick with our thing. We're not gonna adapt and change and grow. And at that point, was like the they could all these analysts and data science guys could pinpoint that that was the the point in which those businesses fell apart. So when Mark Anderson starts bragging, right? It's pride comes before the fall. It's a biblical message. It's in Taoism. It's in all the ancient religions. So it does seem that the universe, there is, at least we're placing the meaning on it, but it does seem overall that this is kind of true. (laughs) So I would would say that I probably prescribe to this synchronicity that Carl Jung guy, he was the one who had that other quote we reread earlier. Right. But that, that there's meaningful coincidences. And here's the funny coincidence. So this guy, Arthur Kessler, uh, wrote extensively on synchronicity in this book, The Roots of Coincidence, which musician Sting was an avid reader of. He named uh, The Police's final studio album, Synchronicity, right. and his famous line, probably the most famous <laughs> lyrics, message in a bottle, dude. So there you go. <laughs> Think of the coincidence there. <laughs> So John. Sting was yeah. a big coincidence guy, but I I, I tend to believe of, of all the bottles floating in all the world and all the seas, right? It's such a small little bottle; it gets caught in that guy's net, who was bragging to his buddy, and it's just a few years older. Yeah, you know? it's got to float out there for a hundred years first and not break or sink in a storm or whatever. You know? Yeah, like, I didn't even think about that. Think about how many years. That, yeah, it, and all those years and it's just like, and then just, just six years older than that than your braggadocious buddy. What a cool bar story that is. Those dudes up in the Shetland Islands north of Scotland go back to the pub <laughs> and uh, the guy's yeah. probably a local legend <laughs> tell the story of how he found the, the, the old bottle. Well, talk about talk about coincidence as it relates to miracles. Do you think, Nate, that miracles happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and is or is it that just coincidence? Like, do you think random phenomena or a miracle is random phenomena, or is it related to like specific human willpower, mental practice, or spiritual prayer? Do you think that those things can can make 
weird things happen or are those weird things just explainable as like a weird coincidence? I want to believe the world is a little more mysterious and cool and crazy than just right. mathematical things moving around. So I would say, yeah, I definitely believe in miracles. I would say, yeah, I don't like the binary kind of like black and white only only testable data is is valid i do like to believe in in that there's something more and that uh you know things happen for a reason i guess i could say what if what if you traced back your roots and you were like oh the mac henry's and the mcdonald's back in scotland (laughs) there were some buddies that were friends back in the day and then years later you got confused for me at warp tour and i got confused for you at warp tour (laughs) I don't know if you know this, listeners, but when Matt and I were on Warp Tour together, oftentimes people would be like, "Hey, I, someone thought I was in your band," and you know, yeah, like, hey, we both had we both band. had uh, big blonde hair and orange beards, and so everyone we had long hair, and yeah, we were kind of bigger dudes walking around. So yeah, and obviously would... we didn't look that much alike, but enough to wear. Well, from behind, like my own bandmates would like. I, I remember my own like I think Robbie told me the story where he he saw me side stage watching some band. And he went up and like tapped me, tapped me on the shoulder. What he thought it was me, and it was you, <laughs> as my own my own bandmate mistook you for me. So well, that's funny. But see, there could be some weird coincidence that's in in our past. There were two redheaded guys that were Ooh, buddies, yeah. and here we are now doing a podcast. What if we found out that was true? You know, I do, I do <laughs> like, I do enjoy some ma- magical thinking. I won't hang my hat on it, but I do enjoy some of it. It's fun. And, you know, I think a lot of people who have, who are these like indelible believers, these people who just believe that like, that the death in destiny and like all this magical stuff's going to happen. Those people end sure. up doing a lot more. And I don't know if it's just self-fulfilled prophecy and there's a psychoanalytic uh, explanation for it. But it's almost worth being that way, you know, rather yeah. than being a total reductive empiricist. It's almost worth just being the believer, you know, believe in the secret, whatever. Believe yeah. that God has a plan for your life um, and that, you know, it's it's to prosper you. That's fine. Sure. Uh, it's probably better for you to believe that there is some intent and some purpose. As long as you're not hurting other people, I think. Yeah, does the water going around that rock because that's the way the water goes? Or was the rock there on purpose? I don't know. The, the, yeah, there seems to be a pattern. And I think that like you almost don't know what's going on in the moment. You can't really see it. And then you create meaning when you can look back on it. And you go, wow, th- at this point in my history something was looking out for yeah. me or at this point and then there and then that I was at this fork in the road and I took this path and I'm very grateful that somehow I knew to take that path even though it didn't seem like the right one at the time it in hindsight it now is right and I think you know some of that is the human brain's need for security and comfort and meaning and then some of that I think I don't know I like to believe that that there is sort of a I mean, I would try to get not so specific about it, but, you know, there is a truth that's beyond the literal surface meaning uh, that you can explain with just literal science. Yeah, and I'm, I'm surprised that, like, that's probably harder for your personality to, because I feel like you're such a matter-of-fact guy. Like, I feel like I, my role in this podcast is always trying to get you out of the, like, black and white brain science kind of communication. Your role is trying to get Well, me... I'm there now, but I haven't. I haven't always been. Like, I grew up, like... Like I, I grew up, my mom tell, my mom tells a story. Like when I was a kid, 
I looked at her in the eyes and, and swore to her that I could read people's minds. And to some extent, I still think I can. But I think that all that really means is that um, even though I don't come off as empathetic, I actually really do understand people. I write songs that people relate to. I, I, I give words to emotions and feelings they didn't know they had or because I do understand yeah. them. I do understand why people feel a certain way and, and how to express those feelings. Um, so I like, but I, you know, as a kid, I thought I was magic. I thought I had superpowers that I could look in someone's eyes and, and, and maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's true to some extent. Like maybe it is, uh, a genetic thing that I was born with. And some people are born with just a little bit more empathetic or a little bit more clairvoyant or a little bit more understanding of certain things. And that's fine. Like I, I don't, but I would say that like growing up, I grew up with a lot of magical thinking. And I saw, and and now I I prefer to be skeptical. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean that I don't that I'm not drawn to it. No, but I think you, you know? raised a good point earlier, though, that's saying like human beings are drawn to stories. And I think of all of my years touring and all the places we've done. I don't talk about that show. Like, oh, remember that show we played with like three thousand people? I say, remember that time when Jared Leto picked that fight and then Dan? Jo-? You know what I mean? I tell these <laughs> stories of like these crazy coincidences. Of things right. kind of coming and going and, and, and everything moving together in this right. weird swirl of, I oh, can't believe that happened. And, you know, right. like the trailer broke down and it happened to break down right in front of you. You tell the know. stories, yeah. You tell the stories of the of, of the hardship. Yeah. That's the stuff that you really yeah. remember, yeah. too. It's not the, it's not like the glory days or or like, right. you know, that moment you got out and, and, and someone signed your, you signed right. an autograph for the first time or whatever. You don't even remember. <laughs> You know, you, know, you that, tell yeah. these crazy, crazy, and I think you know those are the those are some of my favorite nights sitting around the bonfire and people just pulling out these crazy stories, and that's when I'm the most alive. That's why I like the podcast. That's what I love to. That's why the Bigfoot stories just really do it for me because it's like, yeah, that happened to somebody. That had to have happened. The way that they're sitting on their seat, the way that their voice is inflecting the tone, I know it's real. Right. I know that they had that yeah. experience. I know it's true. And scientists will say, nope, it's not true. And I'll go, yeah, but that person's crazy then. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I would say, yeah, I would say it's true in that they experienced it as true. <laughs> and that's kind of like perception is perception is everything, right? They're not they're not shitting themselves afraid because it didn't happen. They're not making it up and they're not crazy. I mean, they're regular people, yeah. you know, experiencing coincidence in a way that is really spooky. So uh, you know, like I remember I brought it up the other day that like after Christ died, the dead rose and walked around the city and peered to many people. And you're like, what? I don't remember that. And I'm like, yeah, because he was only in one <laughs> gospel and it was a really quick verse. But it says it happened. It says it said zombies walked around and appeared to people. <laughs> right. Yeah. What does that mean? Literally? Like, did people yes. just see their dead loved ones, you know, in a brief vision? Or was it like physical zombies or or was something or, or, or was the author trying to express, you know, the metaphor that like of 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 resurrection and how somehow Christ's resurrection was good news for everybody, that everybody would be resurrected in some metaphorical way. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, stuff you exactly. can read into that, right? But you're a believer. the problem is, is you and I were trained to only read that one way, in the literal sense. That literally happened this way. And it could have happened like, you know, just like a, sure. a like a ghost sort of appeared yeah. to certain people. Like some people could see it, and some people couldn't see it. And there was some, some significance to that. So basically, what I'm saying is when it comes to life, right. you have to look at right. it 
through both lenses, which is really hard to do. It's really hard to look at it that way. You have to look at it through the skeptic and the believer at the same time and kind of balance it back and forth. Like, does this guy really see Bigfoot or is he just wacky? And this guy may have actually saw it, but... Right. I went to a... Last weekend, I went to a Pete Rollins uh, kind of event. It was like an all-day thing where he spoke. And uh, Pete Rollins, Peter Rollins is a uh, philosopher guy. Um, he, he he would call himself a theologian, I guess. Um, yeah. More, more into radical theology and uh, dark stuff, which I really like. Uh, very smart Irish guy. But anyways, he was talking about how... Um, there are three ways to view things. One is the objective, which is just just objective is the way he would put it. It's just the literal, right? Hmm. And and the second is the subjective, which means it's like through my lens, my personal lens, what it means to me, which yeah. is not literal. It has all this, my personal experience, the baggage, the intentions, the motivations, the personal, you know, if I, he, he used the term as a, uh, uh, if you give your dad a mug that says world's greatest dad, is that an objective statement? No, uh, because you can't really defend the fact that your dad's the world's greatest dad. There's plenty of dads, you know, out there. And there's, hmm. there's a high chance he's not the world's greatest, objectively speaking. But subjectively speaking, he's you not might... not the Muhammad Ali of dads. Now, you might not even be saying that subjectively speaking, he's the greatest. But you want, you, but he there is an a there is an experience that you had with him, and you want to you want to present him with a, a sense of gratitude for um, for subjectively uh, making an impact on your life, right? Mm, mm. Um, a, a significant impact. But then he said there's a the other view, which is I think he said he called it evental, which is like there is an event that changes the way that you see everything. The, changes the way you see the objective, changes the way you see the um, subjective, and so, I mean, when you like, like he 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 defines like a, a an experience with God, you know. Now it could be this coincidental thing, uh, this event, but he would say an experience with God is not a thing that happens. Like you know, ten things happen to you in your life, and then the eleventh thing is an experience with God, and it's just another thing that happens. He would say it's the the event is the thing that changes the way you view all of the other things. That happened all the so the 11th thing is the thing that changes the way you look at all 10 other things and i think that's where coincidence can can play a big role because people do have these awakenings or rebirths or uh repentance which basically means you know that i think the original biblical term was like do a 180 with their life be born again renewed they have these experiences where they look at everything in life and suddenly their perspective shifts on it. Hmm. And, um, and yeah, you can look back on all those things that might have been objectively coincidental. It's just random numbers, right? That's the literal. That's the just objective viewpoint. Or those things could have meant something to you specifically because of your experience through them. But then there's the evental where it's like, no, all of that I see differently with a deeper sense of meaning now. Uh, because of this event, this sort of 180 that my life has has made. So, anyways, that's a long way to say that. Uh, <laughs> go read Peter Rollins; he's got some good books. The Divine Magician is probably one yeah. that relates to this topic really well. Well, we appreciate you guys checking out our podcast every day. Uh, we check and see how many people are listening, and it's cool to see you guys emailing us and supporting the Patreon and. Uh, you know, going on Twitter and tweeting at us and Instagram and liking our photos and such. 
But uh, we do this because uh, we like to challenge ourselves to not feed the trolls, but it's cool when we hear you guys not feeding the trolls out there as well. Absolutely. But if you want to email us, don't email the trolls at gmail.com. And if you have some coincidences that are too crazy to uh, explain, send them there too. We'd love to read them. Um, tweet us at trolls pod. And until next time, don't feed them. Don't feed them.